and brightest day and blackest night. All other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hey everyone, I'm Mark Marble. I'm Chad Bokelman. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 508. Hodgepodge. <laughs> Another one. Uh, we actually they're, are talking about Green Lantern this time. Told you. They're all, they're all, most of, well, not most, but probably at least 70% of episodes are technically would fall under the hodgepodge definition anyway, because it isn't just one thing. <laughs> That's true. Uh, but we were talking about. Two different issues tonight, but not the entirety of the contents in both issues, just the stories. What are we talking about tonight? Oh, God, me. We're talking about... <laughs> I, I should have been clear. My responsibility is over with the intro, chat. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're, doing, we're doing the DC Pride uh, Joe Mullen Moline story, and we're doing the John Stewart story from what DC Power, which is what the Black History Month special. Yeah. That's right. So uh, DC Pride 2022, actually. Um, I'm just trying to pull it up because I when is Pride Month? I, I forget what month that's supposed to be. Right. 2022. Um, that came out when, 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 when? May. No, sorry. June, uh, June, June 2022. Yes. Uh, and then DC Power came out. Oh, God. Uh, was it this month? Probably. It's February. So it either yeah. came out in February or it came out at the end of January for February, just based on, without looking at the issue again, just looking at it. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, well, I mean, it, it came out January 31st. Yeah. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So, in advance. Yes. Uh, so, one, one we're relatively timely on, the other one we're really far behind one. Um, but uh, we're going to talk about both because there was a Green Lantern story in each. Actually, technically, the uh, Pride special, no, the Power special had a uh, a section for Joe in it as well. But it was just reprinting one of the stories from uh, from the actual Far Sector series. But it did actually have uh, we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit uh, later. It did have a who's who style summary about Joe in there that I thought was kind of cool. But anyways. Uh, let's go ahead and talk. First of all, uh, we're going to recap these back to back or rather I'm going to recap these back to back here for you guys. Uh, we're going to start with pride and then end with power. So the first one from DC pride is called the gumshoe in green and is written by teeny Howard with art by Evan Cagle. Um, and in this story, Joe is back in the city enduring and the setting is kind of a noir detective office. Uh, that she shares with Can has, who is that at at sentient search engine thing that we saw in uh, Far Sector. Um, Joe hasn't seen Sizen since she got back, 
to the city enduring because she's been away for a little while. Um, a client comes into the office and it's one of the Ketopoli, uh, um, you know, the kind of sentient plant type creatures. Uh, she hires under the guy, uh, this, this, uh, this individual hires Joe under the guise that she believes her husband is cheating. So Joe gets to work and she's walking around the sitting enduring and she notices that the husband, uh, uh, his name is Dr- Drosso, but she goes to get a bite and, uh, a bite to eat and, uh, Drosso actually ends up approaching her, letting her know that he's aware that his wife hired Joe. So she leaves him uh, at the restaurant, but ends up following him around until he ends up meeting up with his own wife. Uh, at which point, both of them open the door to invite her in, only to reveal that the whole thing was a ruse to begin with. They were actually interested in sharing her both physically for food as well as emotionally. Um, which they assume she'd be delicious because of her unique willpower and the fact that Joe is bisexual. And at this point, Joe just loses it, beats the shit out of them in their apartment and leaves them in the street. And then after getting a cut patched up of can has back at the office, Joe heads out again and she runs into Susan at a bar and the two reunite. Um, it's, it's a cool little story. The art is black and white, except for moments involving green. Which is pretty cool. Uh, and then moving on to DC Power, we have uh, Keeping the Peace, which is written by Brandon Thomas with art by Nacha Bustos or Bustos. Uh, and in this story, John Stewart, he's at the age of 12. He's running from bullies at the school when he's finally cornered by these bullies. Green Lantern John Stewart comes to his rescue. And it turns out that John is utilizing a memory technique that his uncle Mike taught him where you take all the bad memories and thoughts and fears and kind of file them away into boxes. And it turns out this particular memory, you know, quote unquote, got loose and he's using the ring to help him kind of corral it back into place. And it's it's been triggered because at the moment, two warring factions uh, of the inhabitants of the planet that John currently finds himself on have representatives of their surface tribes there to with green lantern to assist in their kind of peace treaty to kind of mediate the whole thing these two leaders refuse to compromise until an energy beam fires down directly upon their meeting and that powerful burst is held back by john and his construct but the surface tribesmen recognize it as a third party interloper weapon uh they they call the trellians so while John is holding off this continuous blast, the two finally reach an agreement and shake hands. So then John uses the moment to fly into space, seemingly to, quote unquote, knock that damn death ray out of orbit. But upon his arrival, he actually meets up with Teen Lantern Kelly, who fired off the energy burst in the first place, but manipulated it so its energy signature would look like the Trellians were firing on that meeting. This whole thing was John's idea to begin with, uh, and he's remembering his recovery as a child from that beating given to him by the schoolyard bullies where he read War of the Worlds. And as Kelly flies away, John says, you know, every single thing that ever happens to me gets used for this to make people's lives better. And whatever I need to do to make that happen, I got no problem with. It's the only thing that keeps the past right where it belongs, that keeps the walls up until the next time. And those are our two stories. Succinct enough for you? Yeah, you done good. <laughs> I actually wrote it down this time. Dan would be proud. <laughs> good night, uh, everybody. 
So um, it was cool to see the city enduring back. I do like the I do like the little uh, detective office that she has set up there. The fact that this story was was kind of like a de facto mini sequel to the actual far sector proper was one of the better things about the story. Uh, I did like the use of the green as uh, in in the thought boxes, the thought balloons and the narration and, and other other aspects. Then we get different colors too, like Sism at the end, but mm-hmm. the noir style for the most part, I liked in this. I can't even say I dislike the majority of the art in this. I just dislike the way Joe was drawn. I don't like ironically the the i like her i like her best when she's green lantern in this not that we really get to see her much as green lantern literally even when she is green lantern you barely see her as green lantern it's just like snippets the way it's drawn she's kind of like being blocked out by most other things in these panels anyway i didn't like the fact i honestly didn't like the fact that they chose to make her so androgynous or, or masculine looking i don't think that was I also thought that was a little ironic that the, seemingly the whole gist of the story is to poke holes at the at the stereotype that I think I remember George Carlin making fun of about being bisexual. Imagine being bisexual and wanting to f- everyone <laughs> that Joe that Joe is like is you know poking holes and get the story is poking holes and she's get and she blows a gasket at the fact that the 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 idiot plant people here would would think that somehow. Uh, she'd be like more into what was going on because somehow because she's bisexual along with the line or the, the, the perspective that that would literally mean she'd be interested in screwing everybody. So I'm on one level, they're poking holes at that ridiculous stereotype, but then they still kind of like make her look pretty masculine or androgynous looking, I think other than giving, still giving her the Janelle Monet hair, which is cool. She actually looked more feminine. I thought when she was green lantern than she did. And again, you barely get to see that, but I just think facially that didn't work for me at all. The colors did. I like that. I also don't quite understand logically why, why just because of her sexual preference, why that would somehow make her better emotionally to eat. No pun intended. Uh, but I don't know. I think I think maybe because of the um, oh, what what was it called? The the emotion exploit, because that's been taken away. I think the idea behind it is at least for the the Ketopoli that they can maybe in consuming things also consume the emotions, I guess. I don't know. That was the, the emotion exploit wasn't really lifted um, for a lengthy period during the actual far sector run. So we didn't get to see the kind of, the kind of stuff that the, uh, the uh, citizens of the city enduring actually the species rather experienced naturally in terms of emotion it was always the 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 suppressed side of it so i think i think the idea is that they if they can't experience they sense emotions a little better i think because she like she keeps talking about how she's they keep they both keep talking about how she smells delicious yeah i mean i know but i think there's also supposed to be some implication that she's like some that in, somehow she she's going to be into this more about the idea of just interacting yeah. with both of them just because she's bisexual. So I guess and from their stoop from their narrow minded perspective, I guess they're thinking that hey, if she gets doubly into this, then that would probably make her more doubly emotional or or taste or tasty. I don't know. I, it's yeah. Eh, I don't know. I do I do like that the city enduring has kind of become a not not 
like the it, the whole city is a, a party, but people are like dancing and making out in the streets and stuff like that. Uh, I I like the idea that it's not all you know like everything's fixed now that the emotion exploit is gone. It's like these people haven't felt for a long time, and now they're finally feeling. And of course, they're going to be kind of living out those feelings just there in the street if they feel like it for a little bit. So uh, I I I I kind of like the idea that it's not like uh, this this alien world is a little in kind of stages of indulgence, I guess. Chad likes Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> I just think it's I think it's interesting because, well, first of all, is it just me or is the city enduring look more crowded than it ever has? Yeah, I think they kind of went. They, I kind of think they approached it to make it look more like a almost like a, a regular urban environment, even though obviously it's a, on a different world. Uh, I I did kind of notice that it did seem like, which in a way takes which, in a way makes it more relatable, but also makes it less unique, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I uh, I also too, or rather, I too liked the. Uh, black, white, and green stuff. We actually talked about this a little bit um, during uh, when we were talking about. Um, well, throw fr- something out that I can help you with right now. You're stopping before you start. start uh, I know the freaking State of the Green Lantern Union. The last State of the Green Lantern Union we did because I had mentioned that the uh, like, for instance, Moon Knight. I've, I've never read any Moon Knight, and although there is. Or rather, at the time, there was a new, new-ish Moon Knight series, which is still ongoing. Even though that was a jumping-on point, I actually preferred to instead opt to pick up the Moon Knight Black, White, and Blood series because it's kind of like an anthology, but it's done in black, white, and red uh, art style. And the, how I mentioned, you could utilize that sort of anthology type light uh, style, but different arts, but just kind of connect it all with this color scheme. Uh, and you could tell horror stories or detective stories or whatever the hell you want with it. And I think Dan mentioned, Hey, there was this story in pride. Uh, and this is the one he was obviously talking about. And I, I do like how they actually play it out here. I think it's utilized. Will it really well? It makes the constructs pop. Um, it also just kind of makes other things pop like the noodles and stuff for no reason. The, the the uh the drinks that uh that Joe and Ken has are drinking uh in the office. I I I kind of like that. And then plus, you know, anytime you get a good look at Joe's ring, it, it too is glowing. Uh right before she sparks up in their house, you can see it very clearly on her hand. So that's pretty cool. And then of course when she sparks, it's like the whole thing lights up. Then too, like they kind of use it in an emotional beat, like not just to display willpower, but also you know, she she has just got back to the city enduring. She's in this weird situation. She hasn't been back for very long. She hasn't heard from Sizen for a while. But then she finally sees Sizen and Sizen is in color. And then the two meet up and then color res- it returns to the world in that last panel, which I thought was cool. Generally speaking, the use of color I like in this story. And, and we talked we talked about this aspect when we looked i think when we talked about the last pride special because we talked about more stories we did i think we did the whole issue i think we did or at least most of the or several stories at least that this the pride anthology chooses to go at least a story this is an example of which is contrasted directly with the john stewart story and the power and the power book 
that they chose to make the sexuality of the character important to the story as opposed to just telling a story about a character who happens to fall into that category, which is why they're included in the anthology. And they did that with the first and they did that with the first pride or the last pride one that we did, too, because uh, certain stories were focused that the sexuality was a key part of the plot and other stories that it was not part of the plot at all. You just know the reason that this character falls under that blanket. And that's the reason why they were included in the anthology. I I think generally speaking, this reminds me too much of the whole of of what we got 90 percent of the time, at least in the Infinite Frontier era with Alan Scott. That like you have to tell that if you're telling an Alan Scott story, you have to make sure you point out that he's gay in the story. That it seems like that's kind of, that's kind of the vibe I got off of this with Joe. That this is as like especially and it, and it's also kind of what DC has done a lot of these days, which is it's like they call they're calling her bisexual, and we she was certainly bisexual in Far Sector because but they're labeling her bisexual, but in this book basically her real attraction for the most part is to to women. Kind of like mm-hmm. what they're doing with Tim Drake, making him buy, but let's see if Tim Drake ever ends up with women again, or they just they just label him that because they think it's easier to be accepted, but you know when when you're changing a character's sexuality. Now, don't get me wrong, Alan Scott, they would have been smart to make him bisexual at least, as opposed to being gay, because it doesn't. He has such a long history. So that kind of so that so I like the approach the John Stewart story takes better because it's not inher- it's not inherently about him being black. At all. In fact, they impor- I think the fact that one of the bullies in the beginning of, this, of the book, when he's get, being chased down, is clearly a person of color. <laughs> so they're making it clear that at least John Stewart's experiences, at least it, that it's not blatantly being influenced by you know how he was treated because of his race. It's more because of how it was more of a character piece about John Stewart, about mm-hmm. who he was. That John Stewart always tried to do the right thing, stand up for people, you know, stand up for people. No matter what, you know, but whatever the repercussions would be, he would that's that. And he was always against bullies and bullies are always afraid of bigger bullies. So there were bigger picture concepts here. And so in theory, that story, for the sake of argument, you could tell the same story if the main character had been Kyle or Hal or Guy, which on one level you would say would for the most part. And so on one level, you can make a case that takes away from it being a John Stewart story, but it's it's a better overall story it's 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 a more universal story and i mean but kelly being in it kind of took away took away from my enjoyment for it or from it a little bit but i knew some i had a feeling something was up when i was reading the story that it, it may not have been her who i suspected i may have thought that john just set it up on his own but either way uh but i think that story i like that approach to an anthology more that you don't need to beat people over the head, but the reason why these characters are being included in this anthology, than the, the the example that we get from the Joe story. Yeah, I like the John story. Uh, uh, I at first I didn't necessarily I didn't hate it, but I didn't necessarily click with the art. But on a second or third read read through, I like the art a little bit more. Um, it's not the exact same, but it actually reminds me of the art that's in the um, the Green Lantern. Uh, legacy stuff well and now green lantern alliance um with the with that new kid lantern those little uh things that they're they're coming out with from dc kids tie fam i I thought you were going the tie fam route yes yeah Yeah. you're right there there is a there is a a certain resemblance art wise i should point out yeah i don't love i don't really love the art 
in this book the style either. I think it works good with the aliens, like when yeah. when they're under when they're being forced to negotiate. I think it works, but yeah, I, I overall I think I don't. It's, yeah, I wouldn't the lack want it of detail. Like whole, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't want it for like a whole series, but I don't mind it for this for this kind yeah. of little. Yeah, it works on a, as a one off in a couple of pages. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I'm I, I enjoy it, and uh, yeah. D- and then of course, like this is this is the kind of thing that happens a lot when we have new characters. The last time we saw Kelly, obviously, like she had the coma and everything, but she didn't have anything to do with John Stewart. They never really talked or hung out or met or really much of anything except for what at the maybe the beginning of that series. Maybe in the beginning, but we know that they were in the future state, right? The future state story because when they were being transported, when she was being transported, wasn't it? Wasn't it John? Wasn't it? Wasn't it John and Simon and Kelly? I don't know. I, I, just, I just I think it, so. There's there's a there's a level of familiarity here between the two of them that doesn't feel earned. And this happens all the time in in comics. And it, you know, just it's a small irritance, but it's it's a worth mentioning irritance regardless. The idea that, OK, these two didn't really have a much of a connection last time we saw them together. But now all of a sudden she's like, oh, we're partnering up on this. And he had a whole plan and he brought Kelly in on it. And she calls him Stuart. And like, it's yeah, I don't know. Uh, it, it doesn't really work for me in that regard. Um, because they DC or other characters will or other creators will use these stories and then have these sort of moments happen. And then the next time we see these characters in a more ongoing sense, they're just immediately familiar with each other. And and carrying on like much in the way I talked about, we were actually we have talked about before in the way that Joe interacts with Hal now. There's a there's right. a familiarity and comfort there that to us doesn't feel earned because, you know, somebody jumps in, tells a story or whatever. And then it's just like, oh, there they are. They, they know each other now. So they're all buddy, buddy. And it's like the same sort of things happening here. And I'm like, it doesn't feel earned. The relationship doesn't feel earned. Um, but because they have this, you know, from now on, we're going to be like, yeah, John, of course, John knows Kelly. They worked together that one time, like, you know, the whole thing. So I don't know. Uh, again, minor irritants, but uh, I'm just mentioning it anyways, because I, I felt it when I was reading it. In the and, in, in future in the second the second future state issue, that's where. Uh, no, actually, well, I don't think it was I don't think it was Simon. It was it, I, it looks like it was John. And I think think Joe might have been in that story. Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to read this fast, but but uh, like before she's on Mogo or whatever. Well, Joe Joe is mentioned. Joe is mentioned. Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to read this because I'm trying to read I'm trying to read a Kelly's story is the one that happens on Mogo, right? Yeah. So I think I think they're I think they're mentioned. That's right because Mo. That's right because Mo. That's how she was being transported. That's right. Right. She was being transported on Mogo when when everything goes dead, and of course that was wiped out in the actual. Thorn run, but yeah, but I, but uh, John Stewart does get mentioned at least in that story. So there must have been some, maybe there was a, so at least there was a hint there was a relationship, or at least they they had working knowledge of each other at least. But, but nonetheless, yeah, I I know and it was I, issue two. It looks like it was issue two. Of, yeah, I'm, of, I'm just paging through because I can't remember. I I know most of that was her on mogo by herself but i don't remember the beginning of that having john so i, I just yeah i just think i think that i from what i just from what i just read there i think there was a reference and that's probably that's probably probably what i'm thinking of but i did probably uh 
but I was also thinking of the, I knew there was something that was retconned away once we got to the thorn book about, about Kelly that, that then yes, it was the Mogo thing that when everything blew up and the power went dead, she was supposed to be with Mogo. And of course, obviously that's not what happened. And no, uh, no. So the guardians take, tell her to get to him. Yeah. The guardians do it. She does raise her hand and go, Hey, yes. Question one, where's Mr. Stewart? So I guess, Oh, 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 it was the, sorry. I know what you're talking about. The first issue, uh, where they're, where Simon and John are on a plane flying towards, uh, flying towards Oa, right? Maybe that's what I'm, yeah. See, in my mind's eye, that must be it. Cause in my mind's eye, yes, I saw them, t- I saw that, I saw them together. So maybe that's what, maybe that's what I'm kind of confusing with being physically with Kelly in the second story because I, because I knew there, I knew there was something in future state that was related to, uh, that gets blown all the hell once they did the, the thorn like first couple of issues so, yeah but, but yeah i i agree the relationship but i don't but again that relationship with kelly and john doesn't seem nearly as forced as obviously the hal and joe relationship yeah he's watching over her training and stuff in the first issue of, of thorn series and then future state i think one of the future state issues there was a brief moment where we saw them on a ship flying towards oa that sounds familiar. That I think that's at least what I'm in my mind. What I'm thinking of. Yeah. Yep. yep, yep. No, I, uh, I, I think I honestly, I, I get what you're saying, but I think I like, I think I liked the Joe one better, to be honest. Just art wise, uh, consistency, the the cool use of the colors, you know, the story that was told, you know, coming back. I, I get what you're saying about them making the story about her sexuality as opposed to just, you know. Telling a Joe a, story. Yeah. Yeah. Just telling a Joe story. Um, but it does kind of make sense to me in the, in the idea that it's happening in a world that has had emotions separate from itself for a while, you know, and, and emotions can be, can be an R pretty tied into sexuality and stuff too. So, uh, it, it, it 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 doesn't seem as on the nose as as maybe some of those other stories could be. But I also get I also get what you're talking about that. I mean, there are I mean, don't get me wrong. There are there are there are ways to make it work. It's just I think ge- I think generally maybe it's just because I'm so Alan Scotted out. No pun intended. The way we got that in, you know, that was one of the worst things about Infinite Frontier Frontier that everything was like, hey, Alan Scott, did we mention that he's gay? We told you he's gay, right? That they just have to beat you over the head with it with the Alan Scott story. That that's all, seemingly all they had to say about Alan Scott, and I think that's when it gets shaky because, yes, there are some characters that their sexuality is so important to them that it literally is probably with how they view themselves in that term. But that's probably I would go out on a limb the minority of people that view themselves that exclusively tied who they are is their sexuality as opposed to that's part of who they are, and I think it's from a storytelling perspective it gets kind of it can be lazy to just because if you did that all the time so i just it just it just reminded me too much of what they did with alan i think that's why it, it, and because it was handled in a much better fashion clearly in 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 far sector because you know joe's sexuality was a factor in the book but it wasn't the driving force of everything that was going on there and so I don't know, but I, I get what I get what you're saying, and I think there were worse examples of using that. 
I guess it also bothers me because you don't know how much of this comes from editorial. You don't know if editorial has, almost has an edict that, hey, we need a certain number of these stories. We want these, the sexuality of the character to be important to the plot versus a per- certain percentage we don't care or they literally didn't care. And they just left it completely carte blanche up to whoever wanted to tell the story. It's like it's up to you. Here's a story with the character. It's for the pride issue. If you want to make it about this, that's cool. If you just want to tell a story with the character, that's cool. I guess because of how agenda-driven DC has been over the last few years when it comes to things like that, it's hard to know. And it makes me at least skeptical that that wasn't a factor in like how some of these anthologies come together. But I do, I do agree that the Joe story on some level feels more more natural part of far sector, even if it's not being written by the same being created by the same team but i think as a as a character piece saying more about an individual character and what it says about why we should care about the character i kind of think that the john stewart story is is better yeah i mean that makes sense um and then i think the last thing i wanted to say here is i think what we're thinking about was actually maybe in the infinite frontier special oh you're right yeah you know i think you're i Yep, yeah, 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 you're right. That yep. you're right. Simon, there was something. It's, it's Simon and and John piloting a ship from Earth to Oa and and Kelly is in the back, right? With the yes, Kelly's in the back communicating with the Guardians. Or oh no, she's isn't she like re, like isn't she like reading the book Oa apart Essentially, from the book? Essentially, like she's 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 learning about it and then they're on approach and she sees Oa for the first time. Yeah, so at least, well, th- I'm glad you found that because I knew I wasn't friggin' nuts. I do, yeah. I, I knew I remembered something in that time I was frame. Sit- I was sitting here paging through the the future state issues, and then I was like, all right, was was maybe was it Generations Shattered or Generations Forged? And I was like, no, that's no, not that. As I'm paging through those, no, you're done good. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I was like, well, it's got to be the Infinite Frontier yes. special. Yep. Yeah, because you're right. Because the Infinite Frontiers, because that. Because that's still con- – yeah, yeah, that that kind of like – had the compliment- same that started off the Green Lantern series, so. Yeah, it complemented that, and then it wasn't a, re- a real contradiction to the Kelly story in Future State. That we knew- that was one of the things we when we knew things weren't going to follow the exact pattern because of the fact that, that Kelly wasn't on Mogo when the battery sure. died, so. Found it! <laughs> you, you're done good. <laughs> All right. Do we have anything else to say about these two stories? I think we're good. Uh, yeah, again, I enjoyed them. I, I, I really want more of this black, white, and green stuff. And I, I don't necessarily mean it has to feature Joe or anything like that. I just, uh, you know, we talked about it in the State of the Union. And I think I think it really, I think the idea really, for the most part, works well in execution here. And I want more. Make it, give us black, white, and green horror black white and green mystery black white and green sci-fi you know it doesn't doesn't really matter to me black white and green romance i i don't care um just using this this concept to play with lanterns i think you know color is such a simple concept that if you just and in i've seen it because i purchased two of the black white and red series i did both carnage and moon knight just the only unifying factor being the color scheme, the amount of different stories you can tell is insane because your mind just keeps it all kind of together. 
because the art can be really drastically different the storytelling and the writing, the scripting really drastically different, but it doesn't matter because the color scheme is all the same. So there still feels like there's this flow, even though you're reading completely different stories. And the, the fact that color can be such a unifying factor in there, despite all the different stories you're reading and the types of stories you're reading uh, just to me opens up the possibilities of uh, of genre storytelling you could get with Green Lantern just using this one simple color concept. And it's it's it, it's just furthering that we, we've talked. I mean, God, how many of these how many of these freaking uh, state of the unions have we had where we mentioned, I think, in every single one that we needed a Green Lantern anthology series? Pretty and much. Just, yeah. And then building on that idea, just. Give us an anthology series. Make it a black, white, and green series. It's popular right now. DC has been doing it because they had uh, Harley Quinn, black, white, and red, I think. Um, so they even DC has played with it. So let's do it. Come on. Chop, chop. <laughs> <laughs> it would be nice to get any anthology. But yeah, certainly uh, making it more unique would probably increase the odds that you'll get some walk-ups if you will you'll get you'll get some people that normally would uh would that's not their thing they would not normally or traditionally be drawn let's say to a green lantern anthology but if it has a a cool hook to it then maybe that and that certainly could qualify in the eyes of some people so yeah wouldn't be a bad thing either all right what else we want to talk about all right so let's follow up on where we left off on ant-man uh the actual ant-man review episode currently should be the next one we record who whoever is on that episode still remains up in the air. We kind of know who should or, or might be on, but until it actually happens, what's the point of saying it? We know what our track record is. <laughs> but when last we talked about Ant-Man, it's, it was cratering towards Eternal's territory in the Rotten Tomato score. It's slightly above. <laughs> it might actually end up squeaking out a slight victory over the Eternals. That's 48%. The Eternals was at 47 I still think there's technically enough reviews. If you look at the number of reviews the Eternals had that it's still possible enough reviews could trickle in that could torpedo that small victory. But either way, and again, just for the sake of explanation, all that really means is a slight majority of critics would give at the end of the day, gave this movie a thumbs down. That's all it means. It doesn't mean it's a 4.8 out of 10. It just means that the majority of critics, when they had to make a decision between up or down, chose thumbs down on the movie. So now it does, I believe, have an 84% Rotten Tomato score, audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. So that kind of that certainly got the ball rolling from a positive momentum perspective. And it did exceed the three-day total that was projected. It did $5 million more. It did $105 million give or take, and it was projected to do 95 to 100, so it beat that, and it was supposed to only do about 110 for the four-day, and it did 120, so that's good. Now, like we mentioned last week, does it have legs? We're not going to know that until... We may not know it until the third weekend, but we'll have a good idea about if it holds particularly well, we'll know it in the second week, but just because it drops 60%, if it does in the second weekend, doesn't mean that's going to be the precursor for it that kind of drop every single time. Now it did only get a B cinema score, which on the surface, when you just hear that doesn't sound really bad, except the only other movie to ever get below a B plus 
was uh, The Eternals. So at least when it comes to critics and it comes to the cinema score, they both are kind of viewing this movie in, in, in the same context. And cinema score does tend to have a good track record at predicting legs. If a movie gets a relatively bad cinema score, it tends to mean that it's not going to have great legs. So we'll, we'll wait and see. Uh, yeah, I wasn't, I'm not going to go into detail. I, I probably am more in line with what the, what the consensus of the critics ha- have said about this movie. But at least one other person that will be on the show who has seen the movie sees it in a different light. So it should make for an interesting episode, if nothing else. But that's pretty much all I wanted to talk about related to related to Ant-Man and the fact that the Marvel and going hand in hand with that, that right after we recorded the Marvels pretty much got pushed back from July to November. I wonder why. I wonder why. Honestly, moving beyond skepticism, I think there's just trying to space this out because if you're only going to have three movies, it makes, I know technically Ant-Man and Guardians are going to be relatively close, but they often have had movies come out in November. Marvel, one way or the other. If it's nice, certainly between Marvel and Sony, they've had something. So I think they're hoping this is going to be a better time frame than, than releasing it in July. I think it was, I figure out what, what, what movies were coming out around it. So I don't know if it has to do with the competition as much. I really don't know. It could be that they are trying to sure that they, they know they, they still have to do work on this movie to try to make it, to make it as good as they can. I, I really don't know. They had to, they also had to know by doing it so relatively late in the game that they were going to open the door for people saying, see, we told you this movie's going to stink, which may have no bearing on why they moved it at all. Uh, but I don't know. It, it was interesting. I, I was, I was taken aback by the fact that it's like, Hey, we're going to give you a, a relatively not particularly on, awe inspiring poster finally, but at least it, ex- but we're going to push the movie back like th- three months. But it does explain why we haven't gotten a teaser trailer yet or why they probably, if they were thinking about putting a teaser out either in the Super Bowl or having a teaser attached to Ant-Man, it kind of makes sense why they kicked the can down the road because they were probably, they probably had already made the decision they were pushing this movie. But I agree with you. It is kind of, it is kind of interesting. Maybe more of a head scratcher to a certain extent, unless they're really trying to tighten the ship, uh, tight, tighten the belt and, uh, batten down the hatches at Marvel with, with a lot of the TV projects being pushed back. Which at at some point it's like how many how how much can you push some of these projects back that nobody is really demanding before you just pull the plug like Echo should you really push I mean there's something like Daredevil which a lot of people want to see should that be delayed too because move projects are announced before it keep getting delayed and you have like a project like Echo which literally nobody really wanted to see there's no reason why we have to have an Echo show. There really is. And you can put Echo in Daredevil if you want to try to shore up interest in the character. I don't I don't quite understand what but it is what it is. So it could just be the fact that they're trying to space projects out differently and they're trying to reorganize what they're doing. And maybe and maybe they just know that the Marvels, they either think it'll play better around the holidays or they think that it needs work and it's not and they need more time. I'm not sure. Yeah, I was going to say, do you think it's partly do you think they're because of reaction to the MCU thus far that maybe they're pushing it back for potential reshoots. I was going to say, if they're, if they're going to do that, I guess we'll know about it soon. See, the, In a way they have to be careful with this because so much of this movie has been shot for a while that, you know, you had those, you have the problem because even though I figure how old Amon Valani is, I think she, I think she's like 19. So the odds are that in all honesty, that if, 
if she has to come back to do reshoots, it doesn't, it's not going to be like, she's not, it's not like she's 15 or 16. You have to worry about it. This last minute growth spurt, like in the year. And all of a sudden she's like this tall or, or she built differently than she was when you started filming it. I don't know. We're, we're obviously going to know about that soon because cl- clearly like, like some of the reach the fight, like the last minute reshoots they did for Ant-Man because there were people who, who, who took pictures on the set uh, of when they were filming on the street and not really the set, but then when they were filming, on the on the street, they had like uh, uh, Scott was holding a cake box, and obviously, when you see the movie, you realize that whatever they 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 that stuff that they filmed at that point, they filmed for the you know the reimagined ending of the movie because that scene pl- factors into the to the end of the movie. But we're gonna know if they're gonna do reshoots. I I don't know. It it's maybe they're trying to space it out more be- from Secret Invasion. Maybe they're trying to get more. Maybe they're they want to maybe they want secret because we still don't even have a date for secret invasion yet. So maybe secret invasion is going to come out first, like over the summer. And they want to make sure they space this out to a, for whatever reason before we get to Captain because because Fury is supposed to be in the Marvels, as far as I know. So, so maybe that maybe they're doing it for that reason. I really don't know. I, I don't think it certainly doesn't look good. You know, it doesn't pass the smell test, but especially with you know blood you know the shark circling in the water regarding regarding the MCU and it not being what you know universally loved across the board as it is in all these projects so i don't i'm not really sure I'd, theoretically it doesn't surprise me they pushed it back it surprised me they pushed it back now i figured if they if they had announced they were pushing it back at the end of last year that wouldn't have surprised me but the fact that they, we were, were we were getting relatively close, you know, because Guardians is re- literally warming up in the bullpen now with Ant-Man out. And we're going to be in May before you know it. It does make you wonder. That's the best way to put it, I think. Do we know anything new about where we're at with Blade? No, I haven't heard anything new about haven't heard anything new about Blade. I haven't heard. Uh, I think we're getting close. I think they were. I read some stuff about Wonder Man today that I think they got to. I think they have a director for a few episodes. And I think the uh, Grim Reaper, I think, is being close to being cast. Or there's somebody who they say has been cast or is up for the role. So I think, but again, that's another show that you would think that how many years are we gonna, we're going to be waiting for that show? When considering that's literally like the last, that's like the last announced, I think, Marvel show. If that actually was officially greenlit. And I don't even remember if it was officially, officially, officially greenlit. Or it's just, they just said, oh, it's in, you know, it's in development. But same thing with uh, the Paul Bettany Vision show. I think there's there, there was some talk. I read there was something I read today, or I saw the headline. I didn't read the article about the fact that there was some news about that moving forward. But again, we're the fact that they're only going to be releasing two shows a year. There's a bunch of these projects that we don't know. You know, is is Marvel Zombies ever going to be done? When is What If going to come? I mean, we a lot of these things are just hanging out there and being pushed back. And it makes you wonder if 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 something hasn't been shot yet. Agatha Harkness show, which I honestly don't care about. The rumors have it that it might have more to do with the multiverse than we thought. That all the all these projects are being were announced, and now it's like they're being pushed back. It's like how how does that makes you think that at some point they may have to affect what's actually going on in the story? Because if something was supposed to come out before the end of before Phase Six began, and it, and you know it's not going to come out until Phase Six is almost done, then you probably almost have to restructure certain elements of the story. Or the ties to the MCU. Maybe the main story stays the same, but you can't have it be have its uh, tentacles in so many things that you would have had before. I guess that's true. All right. Anything else we want to talk about tonight? 
I don't think so. Oh, uh, did you did you get your Blue Lantern, Kyle? I have not, not yet. But they are starting to ship. I had. It's kind of funny. The something about the McFarlane email address, my my spam filter must not like because I remember even after I when I first ordered it, the order confirmation got picked up in spam, and I had to have it get sent to myself. I had the PayPal confirmation, but not the actual email from the site. And I noticed at the end of last week when I was checking my spam that the my, all, all the subject matter, I think the subject just said had a status, the order status had changed. And I just thought they were saying that almost like a big bad, they were going to tell you that it was going to be arriving soon, but it actually had changed the ship. And I got mine. I got mine yesterday. So it's pretty cool. I haven't opened it yet, but yes, it basically comes with the same, the exact same attachments that Parallax comes with. They're just kind of like translucent blue as opposed to translucent green. Same same battery shape, it looks like. Same construct of energy that you fit over the fists, but still a cool figure. Yeah, I've been getting uh, some eBay shipments, but none of the, none of that stuff. I've still been getting, uh, like just today, um, Justice League of America number 103, which is Phantom Stranger joins the Justice League. And I got a few others that came in the mail over the past few days. I think uh, elas- uh, Elongated Man, I think, maybe. Um, the issue where Elongated Man joins the Justice League, uh, Red Tornado. And then, of course, yeah, the first appearance of uh, the Freedom Fighters in Earth-X. So that has been fun. I'm just picking up some keys lately that uh, are still relatively affordable and and fun to pick up. So those those are coming on in. So that's been fun. But... Yeah, the the figure hasn't hit yet. And I don't think Yeah, the Parallax hasn't shipped. The Funko Parallax hasn't shipped yet. And the Well, let's see how close they get cuz that was cuz all they tech Didn't they just say it's technically it was supposed to that was supposed to be second quarter, right? I think so. Yeah, so we're not so we still on we still have one more month before we uh it would be nice if it were if it were to ship early cuz obviously this shipped early. At least mine and you and you said you were shipped, right? You said you were shipped. You just haven't gotten it. Or oh, did you I not say that? I, I have no idea. I, oh, I so you didn't get it. You didn't. You didn't. As far as you know, you didn't get the email saying your status changed. But either way, when we ordered these, the date they said they were supposed to ship in March. So obviously, the first ones are coming out like a week. Or, the first wave would look. It appears that they're being mailed out a week, a week early. Yeah, the only email I have about McFarland is my confirmation of the order. But soon, you'll get it soon. Here's hoping. All right. Uh, well, if people want to reach out to us or knowing that the next episode is supposed to be the uh, the Ant-Man Quantumania episode, uh, if they want to give us their advanced thoughts on that, how do they reach out to us? Lanterncast.com. The email is lanterncast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, hashtag GLCast. People, track us down. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. So please leave us a positive review on all platforms that you listen to us on last but not least if you'd like to leave us a text or voicemail 708 lantern and let us know what you think good night everybody good night